everybody. Welcome back to the Fourth Glory of Old State Penn State Football Podcast. I'm Craig Rosala. I'm joined by Brandon Musso for our first show of 2021. How are we doing today, Brandon? Doing good. New year. Yeah, uh, and if you haven't seen the exciting news uh, that we posted last week, uh, For the Glory was mentioned as a top five Penn State football podcast to follow in 2021. So with our first podcast of 21, we're actually going to review the 2020 season. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, more so downs to start and ups to finish. But we're going to review not only how the Penn State football team did in 2020, but review our predictions from before the season when we did our uh, preseason awards podcast way back in September or October because of the delay of the season. But we're going to cover Offensive Player of the Year, Defense Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, Breakout Player, Biggest Surprise, Biggest Disappointment, Coach of the Year, uh, and Best Moment. But before we do that, just wanted to touch and, you know, give some props uh, to, you know, Corey Lestoki, who added an article last week about the Penn State Office Coordinator that, that added in, Kirk Soraka is out. Is it Mike Mike Yersich, correct? That's how you say it, Mike Yersich? Um, I he's believe in. so. Uh, Corey did a breakdown on that. And then, um, you know, I covered today, Jaquan Brisker is coming back, Tariq Castro-Fields coming back, uh, Jahan Dotson coming back, and a couple other uh, transfer portal uh, additions that will be new to Penn State in 2021. So um, go check out the website, for the glory of oldstate.com. Ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so start off with Offensive Player of the Year. I think it's a pretty fairly obvious one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the most obvious answer that <laughs> you come up with for the offense. Um, his name is Jahan Dotson. You just talked about him. I think he was far and away the best player on this offense. I don't think it was even close, to be honest with you. 884 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, he was over 100 yards receiving in five of the nine games that they played this year. And he was within six yards of 100 in another game. So had a lot of great games, some you know some great catches. The Ohio State game comes to mind. But, yeah, just the offensive best player. And I can't, couldn't be happier that he is returning for the 2021 season. Yeah, I'm so happy that he's back. And he's also my pick for offensive player of the year. And it was so easy. Um, There's times this year where he just took over games. You know, you mentioned the Ohio State game where he just – bullied Sean Wade uh, on the outside and single-handedly brought Penn State back in that game. He was first in the Big Ten in receiving yards. Granted, he did have all nine games where some of the guys like Olave and Wilson from Ohio State, they only played in six games. But still, eight touchdown catches, which was tied for first in the Big Ten, 52 catches in total, which was third. Um, he was third in yards per game. So even though he played in more games, had more yards, he still had a, a high average. Uh, he had 17 yards per catch, which was fourth in the Big Ten. And then not only was he a great receiver, but he added a boost to the punt return game where going into the season, we might have thought, oh, we lost K.J. Hamler, but how's the, the return game going to be? It was honestly better with Dotson back there. He averaged 24.6 yards per return, and he had a, a touchdown against Michigan State, which is one of my favorite moments of the year. Dotson was amazing, and he took – this, you know, what was a really bad year for Penn State in, in all in all. He, he was, the, the for me, the, the, the brightest star of the team. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And he was snubbed by the, uh, the all Big Ten uh, teams, in my opinion. He was, 
he was on the third team. So I just wanted to say that he was definitely snubbed, in my opinion. He's coming back for revenge this year. So <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back in time here. We're gonna go to who was our offensive player of the year prior to the season. Uh, you had Noah Kane, correct? Yeah, I picked Noah Kane for the preseason award. I mean, we know he got hurt, so not really much to say there. Unfortunate luck for him. Um, he definitely had some potential to win this award, and I hope he's healthy for next year. Yeah, and I had Journey Brown, who didn't see the field at all, obviously had the heart condition. Uh, he had the special with um, that Penn State football posted on their social media, a uh, good 10-minute interview, really interesting. Just talking about how difficult it was for him to manage um, the bad news and then getting through the, the season. Man, what a great guy he is. <laughs> he was fighting through that. And just the, the personality showed, like, he, he was, he's tough and determined and he kind of was just accepted it. Like, he's, he's all in on, like, okay, this is just part of my journey. Uh, no pun intended there. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even know you did it. <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, I, I thought the Penn State running game would be a big part of this team. And, you know, mentioned it a little bit later on about, I journey Brown and Noah Kane both going for 10 touchdowns this year and combined, they played one series. So uh, yeah, things, things went really wrong for us there. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Injuries happen. I think we knew that going into the year. We didn't know it to this extent in one position group in particular, but they do happen. And unfortunately it happened to both the guys that we picked. Yeah. All right. So let's switch over to defense here. Who's your uh, defensive player of the year? So I don't think there's like a definitive defensive player that kind of jumps out for me for this award. They didn't really have, in my opinion, that shutdown guy that everybody kind of talks about, but I do feel like I know who you picked for this award though, (laughs) but I picked Brandon Smith for this because I think he showed us like as the season went on that he can be that shutdown guy at some point. Yes. He started slow, but as the season went on, I started to notice him more and more on the field. And, you know, he's making some big tackles, some big hits, just what you kind of want to see. And he really finished the year strong. And I think we will see him win this award for years to come. Yeah, he's um, he's definitely a, a big playmaker in terms of, he, you know, when he makes his plays, he makes his presence felt on the field. Uh, I've been saying it all year. I think I said it a little bit last year, too. Uh, I think it's more about consistency for Brandon Smith and what made Micah Parsons so great at Penn state, what's going to make him a a potential top 10 NFL draft pick, maybe even top five, depending on, you know, how things go is he had all these big plays and he was also consistent from the time he stepped on the field in 2018 where Brandon Smith is a little bit inconsistent where, you know, I know we'll text each other during the game. Like, man, he just missed that tackle. But then, you know, he lays the boom on, on another play and forces a fumble and recovers it. And it's just like, we can't have, you know, both of those. We need to be pretty uh, consistent in, in what Brandon Smith's doing. So going into his junior year, I think that's the, the big um, the big adjustment that he's going to have to make to make himself uh, a possible All-Big Ten player and maybe the 2021 defense player for Penn State as well. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, we, we see him – we watch these games and we see, you know, the, the highest of highs with him. And then not even, like you said, one play or two plays later, it's like the lowest of lows. And he's never been consistent, as you said. And I think that's what's going to make him a good player is if he, he can get to that point. Who was your guest for me as my defense player of the year? 
Uh, I went with Brisker. I think that yeah. you picked Brisker. <laughs> yeah, I pictured Quan Brisker, and uh, I'm picking him on the day he tweeted that he will be returning to Penn State. He says he has some unfinished business as a senior. Uh, and, and Brisker, for me, I, I look at him a little bit more closely because he's a Lackawanna College product, and I went to Lackawanna College as well. So I'm, you know, kind of looking out for my fellow Falcon there. But he was unbelievable. Pro Football Focus loves Shaquan Brisker and their grading. They found that he missed only one tackle out of 60 attempts. He had 57 tackles on the year. So, you know, do the math. Pretty good there. Uh, and they named him a first-team All-American. Brisker, he's coming back now, and he's looking to have another huge 2021 season. And I'm looking for him to build more on the coverage aspect of it and making more plays in that department where he only had one interception this year and he actually fumbled it. And I did call that interception, by the way. You did. <laughs> um, he did. So, uh, in, you know, in a full season, maybe he hopefully gets maybe closer to five interceptions and make his, makes his presence felt that way. And it's just an improvement upon another, you know, a great tackling campaign this year. Continue then 2021 and just build off it with the, um, the coverage as well. And so who's your defensive player of the year going into the year? Uh, going into the year, I picked Jason Oway, as you might expect. Um, yeah. He had a good year, but I would have liked to have seen him do a little bit better. Um, I will say I do think that he left a little bit early. I think he could have benefited for with another year here. He didn't even record a sack this year, which is something that I would have liked to see him do before I would kind of pick him to win this award in the postseason. But I know I, I think you've mentioned it before. Um, Pro Football Focus had him and Shaka Tony graded out pretty highly for the year. Um, but for me, as a fan, and just watching like the defensive line in particular, he didn't kind of live up to the expectations that I had for him. But he still had a decent year, so I can't knock him too much. Yeah, I think he was top. I know he was top five in the Big Ten. Uh, in, in terms of run stopping by pro football focus, he might have even been like top 10, top 15 in the country. Uh, but you mentioned zero sacks for somebody that the first two years he was at Penn State, uh, he was kind of termed as a, a pass rushing specialist. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he made great plays going down the line, stopping the run, but we're looking for more, um, you know, getting home to the, and hitting the quarterback and, and creating pressure that way. You know, he's going to be going to the NFL draft. We'll see where he lands, and uh, best of luck to Jason Oway. I went with Lamont Wade, so uh, I got I picked a safety from Penn State. I just didn't pick the right one, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but I was expecting big things from Lamont Wade. He was the leading returning tackler going into the season with Micah Parsons not playing. Uh, and we saw him play really well at the end of 2019, so I, that's why I went with him. But uh, Brisker had the better year. Um, although Lamont Wade had a couple of good games. I know the Michigan State game, he had a, a really good game. Um, but Brisker was my pick this year. Yeah, you could have uh, made a case for Lamont Wade. You could have. All right, so I think we're going to be pretty um, much in agreement here with freshman of the year. Uh, who'd you pick? I picked Parker Washington. I'm assuming that's who you went with as well. Yeah, yeah that was – I mean, Lee and – Lee was pretty good this year, but uh, Washington was insane from start to finish. So go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was great to to see him have the success that he did have. Um, I and mean, we'll talk about this later on, but the wide receivers were 
the biggest question mark going into the season for me, and in large part because of a lot of the young players like Washington that had no experience. You know, Franklin and the staff expressed a lot of confidence in him by naming him the starter um, in the preseason. And, you know, as ex- inexperienced as he was and a freshman, he delivered and he delivered in a big way. I think, I mean, as you just said, I think we could say that he was the best freshman that, you know, hit the team this year. Um, and I think he'll be a large part of the offense for, for years to come. Yeah, and we actually recorded the preseason awards podcast before Washington was listed as a starter on the depth chart. And in that podcast, we kept mentioning how, like, who's playing alongside Jahan Dotson. And, and like, we didn't expect this season from Jahan Dotson by any means. And we had no names. We had no guesses because <laughs> we didn't have a blue-white game. We didn't get to see things going on in summer camp. We didn't get the previews that we usually do. But, man, he was amazing. Washington had 36 catches, 489 yards, six touchdowns. He had two uh, multi-touchdown games against Maryland and Michigan State. And then really consistent throughout the year, too. Really no, like, high peaks, low valleys or anything like that. Five of his nine games, he had at least 70 yards um, receiving. He was fantastic. And I'm so excited that he's back as a sophomore next year. Jahan Dotson's back. And we just get to continue to build with this, you know, this new offense that's coming in that watching the For the Bloggy uh, video breakdown last night has me so excited because they do a lot of different things with two wide receivers and trying to play off each other, and it it looks really cool. And I think these two receivers are going to have fantastic 2021s based off of their successful 2020 campaigns. Yeah, so uh, (laughs) in agreement there. (laughs) Yes. 100%. Uh, Who's your – who was your preseason freshman of the year? I, I, I know mine kind of did well, but I'm not sure who yours were. I picked Curtis Jacobs. Um, obviously right, didn't right. really work out all that much because he didn't really get that much playing time. Um, the linebackers stayed relatively healthy, so I mean, which is a good thing. Uh, so he wasn't, didn't really have a huge opportunity to get significant playing time, but you know, he got a little bit of experience, which is good. And I still think that we will be talking about him more in the coming years, but as a freshman, didn't make that much of an impact as I expected him to. But, you know, once he gets an opportunity, I think that he'll uh, he'll be a good player. Yeah, and I went with Theo Johnson. And the reason why I went with him actually kind of turned out to come true, not for a good reason by any means. Uh, I thought they would groom another tight end for the departure of Pat Firemuth. Unfortunately, Pat Firemuth got hurt and missed the second half of the season. But Brenton Strange stepped in, did a great job, another freshman, uh, retro freshman um, tight end. And Theo Johnson started playing a little bit more and more. And he, was, he did well in, in blocking opportunities. We saw him catch the ball a little bit more towards the end of the year, too. And I'm still really excited about him. Uh, I was excited going into the year. I didn't know how much he would play because of an injury that happened during the recruiting process. But for t- uh, 2021 and beyond, I'm really excited for Theo Johnson, what he can bring to this Penn State offense. Yeah, I know, I know you're very excited about the tight end group. Yes. All right, so uh, let's get into the breakout player of the year. Uh, yeah, so I went with Kevon Lee for this, um, and I kind of wanted to, you know, make this distinction between, you know, freshman of the year and breakout player of the year. Um, I kind of want to say that, you know, Parker Washington was the freshman of the year because, you know, he was the starter and just played immediately as a freshman. But a guy like Kevon Lee, he wasn't expecting to play himself. And, 
you know, neither were we going into the year, especially when we had, you know, picked and did this podcast and picked and made these picks. Um, we had no idea. Um, and I think he stepped up in a big way and proved that, you know, he is a great back, you know, forced into the role. And he quickly showed that he was the best running back that Penn State had available at the time. Um, he finished with 438 rushing yards, which, you know, is solid for the games that he played. He, I mean, he wasn't getting many carries in the first portion of the season. You know, Devin Ford kind of took the majority of the, the carries as a starter. But once Lee kind of took over midway through the season, I think he brought a jolt to the offense. And we really saw some some really good plays from him. And I think that definitely qualifies him, you know, as a breakout player. Yeah, I, that's a great pick in my opinion. Especially he didn't play that much in the first half. Like you said, we didn't even see him against Ohio State, which I still question, like, why didn't we test like test the waters? Let's see what he has. Because um, we saw later in the year, he, he can be a really good Big Ten running back. But for me, I went with kind of a different pick here. I went with Will Levis, okay? We knew his limitations in terms of throwing the football, and we knew that he was a pretty good runner. And I think once we found at the end of the year how to rotate both Sean Clifford and Will Levison, that Will Levis really thrived. And the numbers don't by any, by any means raise your eyebrows or anything like that. Because, you know, his rushing average is, like, in the threes and, uh, you know, not that many yards. Didn't throw that much, like I said. But he was an automatic first down when they put him in on third and short. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in a specific situation that I love. But he was just fantastic in his role at the end of the year. And I thought he was a big reason why in a Penn State offense that, you know, they had to have drives of 10 plays or more to, to score. He just kept the chains moving, and then, you know, some fans don't like that they were doing QB draws all the time. But guess what? It was working because of Will Levis. So I'm not sure how the offense is going to look next year uh, in terms of, you know, using personnel like Levis, but we know he's great in this role, and if you put him in that situation, he's going to succeed. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him as my breakout player. Yeah, you know, I like that because – even in the like, you know the first couple games of the season, we kind of didn't know that he was, you know, going to be almost automatic in that role. And it was nice, you know, as the season went on, as you want to say, he broke out because they started using him in that situation, and it became something that was a huge strength because he was able to come in and get and convert those, you know, third downs that they've always had trouble converting with. And he was kind of the guy that was the sure hand, and he almost got it almost every time that we needed him to get it. I wasn't expecting that in the preseason, that's for sure. Uh, so <laughs> going back to the preseason, who was your breakout player? Um, I picked Shane Simmons for this award. So, I mean, you can make a bit of an argument for him after seeing, you know, some good games to close out the year. Finally got some playing time. I, I know I mentioned in that first uh, preseason podcast award, our preseason award podcast, I mentioned him, you know, maybe if he got a little playing time, he can kind of show you know, what he's all about. and. She, you know, at the end of the season, he finally did get a little bit of playing time and he definitely made the most of it. So not doesn't qualify more than Yvonne Lee does for me, but can make an argument for him. I'm very happy that he did have a couple of good games to close out the season. Yeah, great way to finish off his career. He had, you know, some really high energy moments and, uh, you know, some forced some pressure in the backfield. He, he did a great job at the end of the year. Um, I went with your defensive player of the year, actually. I went with Brandon Smith. I was expecting a little bit more from him, and I think you probably were too, and I was expecting him to kind of 
grow into that Parsons role, but it's it's tough to get to that level. And I think expectations should be tempered a little bit going to next year, but he's going to continue to start. He's going to continue to be a big contributor to this defense. Just keep your eyes out for number 12. So let's get into our biggest surprise of the year. I would say the wide receivers as a whole were super surprising for me. I had mentioned it before. I think going into the season, we both talked about how the wide receivers were the biggest question mark going into the season. We had no idea what was going to become of them. Um, We had seen them struggle getting open over the last year or so. And I thought going into the season, oh boy, we have a bunch of new guys. We don't really know what they're going to be all about. But I feel like it's a big surprise for me because we can now say that they were probably the team's biggest strength after all, you know, and we go from, you go from being the biggest question mark of the team to being the biggest strength. And, you know, that to me is just like the most surprising part of the season is how they went from basically nothing to basically everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we, we talked about Washington and Dotson so much already. Uh, yeah. That was a huge surprise this year. I I'm still blown away and it, I love it though. I, I love. I'm not gonna complain. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, the biggest surprise was the own five start, and it was just weird. It was just weird. The first game, the Indiana game, it looks like we have it won, and Devin Ford scores a touchdown, and Indiana drives down the field and they score. It sends it to overtime. Was Penix short at the the marker? I don't know. I nobody knows still. Like, but. Penn State lost that one. You know, Ohio State, they just looked like they weren't even ready to play, playing from behind the whole way. Dodson tried to build them back in the game, but it was it was too little too late. But then, you know, from there we thought, okay, 0-2, they'll bounce back. They're playing Maryland, smoked. Go out to Nebraska, they're winless. We should, we should do pretty well out there. They're trying out a new quarterback, smoked. Uh, and then, you know, come back home, we have Levis starting now. He did well against uh, Nebraska in the second half. Let's, you know, we're playing Iowa, who, you know, struggled to start the year a little bit too. And we got beat down there too. It was just – it was so weird to see Penn State just really uncompetitive. And we haven't seen that from this team in a long, long time. And it, it was really in all facets of the game. Offense was turning the ball over. Defense was allowing a lot of big plays. It just was – it was terrible. It was terrible. And it was a, a – Bad surprise, but I guess that's how 2020 was. <laughs> yeah, I, I could really agree with that. I There's one thing, I think when we, we were looking through the season, we kind of went through the schedule and made our predictions of, you know, where they were going to, what games they were going to win, the record that they were going to finish with. We kind of checked all these games. We're like, oh, they'll win that game. They'll win that mm-hmm. game. And I think everyone's expectations, even like nationally, they were ranked in the top 10 to start the season. I don't think anyone was ex- expecting them to, to fall as far as they did. Um, but they just seemed lost for those first couple of games. And, you know, there's a number of reasons why um, we won't get into them. I think we've <laughs> drilled them in, yeah, into them <laughs> pretty much all of this entire podcast uh, season that we've all the series that we've done throughout the, the year. I think we've went through every little minute detail about why they lost those games. And there's really, not much more to say about it, but it definitely was a huge surprise. Yeah, it it's still shocking to me, but at least they rattled off four straight to end of the year. Um, what was your biggest disappointment? 
Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I expected more from the defensive line. I, I really did think that they were disappointing. Um, I talk about them all the time. Yeah, I'm their biggest fan, but I'm also their biggest critic. The The pass rush just wasn't where I wanted it to be. Um, we talked about the secondary struggling, and I think the pass rush is you know one of the biggest things that could help out the secondary that struggles so much. And I think they kind of failed at, at getting some serious pressure. Um, and their sack count was rather disappointing as well. I talked about OA um, not even recording a sack, which is was extremely surprising and disappointing. Um, but in terms of run stopping, I talked about it a lot in, in the previous podcast throughout the year. They got bullied up front for the early parts of the season. Um, they lost that battle. Um, but – and I, you know, that was disappointing to see, but I, I will give them credit because, you know, as the season went on, they started bringing the physicality, you know, starting with the Michigan game, they brought a whole new level of energy that I did not expect to happen, especially going out to Ann Arbor, but they sure did. Um, and they won that game. And I think, you know, to be honest, they carried that throughout the rest of the season. Um, so it was a strong finish in that department, but, you know, overall I was disappointed in the group. This unit was just not made to rush the passer. Oway, you said it. We've said it over and over here. No sacks. Um, up the middle, Antonio Shelton, he's a run stopper, not a pass rusher. Um, Mustafer, same thing. And then Shaka Tony, who I talked about in the Senior Day podcast, you know, he had four sacks in the fourth quarter against Indiana a couple years ago. He put on 20 pounds of muscle and – yeah, that helped in his run game stopping, but it did not help him in his pass rush. It took away his speed um, and a little bit of his agility and his ability to move um, towards the passer and, and beat, you know, the the, uh, the tackles. But it just wasn't a great year for them. And again, we, we have really high expectations for this unit. We always do. The presence of Sean Spencer not being there anymore was definitely felt, I think. Yeah, we do. We do miss. We do miss him. Yeah, and um, I'm going to shift over to the offensive side of the ball. Um, the biggest disappointment for me was the Kurt Soraka offense. And that's easy to say now a couple days after um, he was let go from his position as the Penn State offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. But, you know, the excuses can be made. Yes, they, they lost their you know, probably their two best players um, on offense. They lost, you know, Friar Muth halfway through the year. Um, but – we saw Clifford regress. Um, I thought it was a very stale offense. We didn't see I, – I was clamoring for motion the whole year. Um, it looks like we're going to get it next year. But I, I saw yeah. time and time again where we're setting up in a play and we look over the sideline, we make an adjustment, but we don't move anywhere. We just stay in the same place, and we had plays results in a loss. It's just a really slow offense, not a lot of big plays. We had to rely on really long drives, which I think Franklin does not like at all, which is why he made the switch. You know, and the quarterbacks just took a huge setback. And as the quarterback's coach, yes, COVID year was really weird. Having to do meetings through Zoom and not in person, not being able to practice as much as you would like, very weird, not great situation. But still, these guys, you know, they were high recruits coming in. And we saw some signs from Clifford last year, but it just, it was a huge step back, you know, and then red zone offense, we were in the 110 range 
I believe in you know scoring efficiency, scoring touchdowns in the end, uh, in the red zone. It's just not great, you know, and it was unacceptable. And I think it was a big reason why this team started 0-5. Yes, it was also a big reason why they rattled off four straight wins, but it wasn't by any means, like, great. It just wasn't, even though they were winning. Um, so, for me, that was the biggest disappointment, especially because going um, into the offseason last year, we were really excited as a podcast about this offense because of what we saw against um, Minnesota when Penn State went out there in 2019. Yeah, I mean, all year I've kind of been one of this guy's biggest critics. I did expect a lot more out of him. So I, I was also very disappointed. And I will say that was one of the – that was probably the runner-up for my biggest disappointment of the year. So um, that was definitely something that I was thinking about for this award and throughout the entire season. Yeah. Uh, so from going from my biggest disappointment uh, being a coach – uh, who was your coach of the year? <laughs> I went with Stubblefield for this. I, oh, I think, God, yeah. I think he yeah, really stepped like, it up. Yeah, I feel like we're beating this point to death, but I feel like it's warranted. We thought the receivers would really struggle. They turned out to be a huge strength to the team, and, and I think that he definitely deserves some credit for, for putting them in that position, especially you know when he, you're you know putting out a bunch of guys that are very exper- inexperienced. Um, it was – I will say it was one of the easier picks because there wasn't a ton of position groups that, that looked really strong. Um, there was a couple, but I think this one to me stepped out the most as the, the one that would be the strongest. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, and he was in his first year. I, I liked the hire uh, going into the year because Stubblefield is, he's, he was a wide receiver in college. He was an all American. Uh, he played, you know, some professional football, and ever since he stopped playing, he was a wider series coach. He wasn't bouncing around different position groups. He wasn't going from offensive line to, you know, tight ends to, to running backs and then back to O-line. He was a receivers coach at every stop he made. And he came to Penn State, and from year one, he was a huge difference. And I think we were looking for that uh, ever since Josh Gattis left. And we saw that elite group of receivers that he developed, and we see them down at Alabama right now. Um and, and Taylor Stubblefield, he's he's done a great job in year one uh, as the Penn State wide receivers coach, and I'm so excited to see development of Dotson, uh, continued development, I should say, continued development of Washington, and then some of the guys that you know got some time this year but didn't do a whole lot. Let's see what they can do, and then the recruiting trail as well. You see how much Dotson improved? Watch the tape. Come to Penn State, play for me. Okay, like. And I think in the I think in the 2022 class there's uh, two or three wide receiver commits that are all four stars, so they're seeing it as well. So Taylor Stubblefield, great job! You you really deserve a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. All right, so we're getting into our last uh, category here. What was the best moment of the year for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I could sit here and tell you how much I love Datsun. Uh, you know going off against Illinois or making some amazing catches against Ohio state or doing some uh, different uh, kick returns that were very impressive. But I want to go with a different moment here because I feel like those are kind of the easy ones. And I'm I'm going with the the entire Michigan game for the first part of the season. You know, the team didn't look at all motivated. And as I mentioned before, they seem to be getting bullied in the trenches and, you know, just lifeless really, but they came out, 
went to Ann Arbor, which was the most shocking part of it all because we haven't had any luck there. We talked about that in our preview podcast, how, you know, it was always a weird thing to go out there because they never seem to, to come out with either good luck or, you know, give a good effort. But that seemed to be the turning point in the season. They, they finally brought the physicality that I've been wanting to see. And I think was a large part of why they were losing a lot of their games. Um, and it almost looked like a new team. They looked newly motivated. They came out with a lot new of new energy, um, brought their own energy, you know, no fans in the stands. So I, you know, I think it was my favorite moment because I think it was the re- the leading reason why they finally got their first win. And it was definitely the turning point because they didn't lose a game from there on out. It's amazing how similar we are in our Penn state uh, fandom here. I, in my nominees, I have the Jahan Dotson punt return against Michigan State. What a special play that was, and that closed out that game. And then I have the Jahan Dotson catch on Sean Wade. Uh, so same page there, but then I my I it was this one was easy for me. It was the closing of the Michigan game, and this is because throughout the last couple of years, 2017 Ohio State comes to mind where Penn State has a lead and they just can't close it out. They give the ball back to the opposing team and the Penn State defense is on the field and you have to hold your breath. You know, no matter how great that defense is, you don't want the other team to have the ball with two minutes to go and a couple timeouts and the clock stops on every first down and, you know, they're thrown to the sidelines. You don't want any of that because in college football, you're more likely to score than not because that's just how the game is played. It's just the way it is. Uh, and Penn State starts it off with a stop on fourth and one uh, with Joe Milton trying to run the ball. Penn State gets the ball back with 541 left, and they have to put together a drive to end the game, and they did just that. Uh, Will Levis, he iced the game with two third-down conversions, and Penn State was just able to take a knee, and it was the first time all year we saw the victory formation, and for me, that was pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> My first time in a couple of years that we've seen them run the clock down like that. Yeah, it was it was like the most well executed thing on earth, which I thought was Kirk's strength coming into the you know the season, and it, it right. worked out there. Uh, you know that was really great. I love that. Yeah, I mean that I agree. That was that was because you know we look at this whole season in general, and it was <laughs> not the best. So. When you're looking for something to pick out of it, the best moment, I think that's probably one of the better ones because it was finally where the season turned around and, you know, finally where we kind of started enjoying watching Penn State games. Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> All right. You have anything else you want to add to do, uh, today's podcast? No, I think we uh, I think we could close the book on this 2020 team. Yeah, tough year, but look, we made it. That's the big thing. We made it. We did. Um, and again, continue to follow us on social media for the glory of old state on Facebook at uh, for the glory OOS on Twitter. Um, and continue to follow the website. We're posting a little bit more here. Uh, I know I got some more time on my hands here. Uh, we got some great news coming out with, you know, these guys returning commitments, uh, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. There's, and- there's definitely been a, a, a good uh, influx of, of news coming through for Penn State fans to to gobble up. So pay attention to the website. We'll keep you updated. Yeah, uh, I know, you know, I'm expecting a couple more guys to announce their returns because I wasn't really expecting uh, Castro Fields or Brister to come back, especially Castro Fields 
because um, he was slated to play in the Senior Bowl. But, you know, who knows? Maybe a, a Lamont Wade comes back. Um, who knows? But, uh, yeah, so keep your eye out for some news from us. Um, continue to follow the podcast on both Spotify and Apple. Share it. Subscribe. Rate, review. Keep getting the buzz out. I know Feedspot saw our, our, our podcast and, you know, saw some buzz on it. So, you know, let's, let's get to number one on that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I just want to I just want to thank everyone for the support. Um, you know, seeing that list kind of meant a lot. We, me and Craig, and you know, both put a lot of work into this podcast throughout the year. Um, there's a lot of prep that goes into it. Um, Craig and takes care of all of the uh, technical parts of it, and I appreciate <laughs> that. But yeah, it, it feels good to uh, to be listed on that list uh, of good Penn State football podcasts, and we hope that we could uh, continue to to serve you. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys again for listening, um, and we'll talk to you next time.